You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 249. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A very interesting and fun podcast this week with Jacqueline Trumbull from RE Season of The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise Season 5. We dive into some things that haven't really been talked about all that much. I mean, I've alluded to stuff here and there about it, but it's a very interesting podcast. Um, I we'll get we'll get to that momentarily. So I do want to talk uh, a little bit, not a, not a whole hell of a lot to get to before we get to Jacqueline's podcast because it is ninety minutes long. And um, as if you've paid attention in the last few days on my column, um, by the time you're listening to this, I'm probably on my way to Vegas, uh, and my party was supposed to be this weekend. I'm supposed to be tomorrow night. But due to the Delta variant, I just didn't want to take that chance, the liability that comes along with it, but had stuff booked, didn't want to waste the weekend, so going out there. And you've all heard my Olive Garden story, I told you that, and I will see where I'm at on Monday. They open Monday, I'll be there about an hour before opening, and hopefully I'm the first customer. That should... It might be one of the highlights of my life if top five easily, if I can be the first customer there. In addition, um, I shared a story a couple weeks ago regarding my driver's license and just the circus show that that became because I needed my birth certificate and I thought I had it, but then I had, and I didn't and I was born in New York. So I had to mail away for it and they said eight to 10 weeks, but it literally got here in four weeks, but I had already canceled my appointment that was set because I didn't wasn't going to have the birth certificate in time, but it did come in time. Whatever the case may be, last Monday, so August 16th, I was able to make an appointment online, went to the DMV, took a bullshit eye test that literally had to read like four lines, filled out the application, um, took a new picture, took maybe 10 minutes total. And they're like, okay, you'll be getting your ID in you know, seven to 10 days. And so I was, and they gave me a, a, a temporary license, which was a paper license, but it did have my picture on it. And, you know, obviously I'm leaving today to go to Vegas and I'm thinking like, okay, so when I go to the airport, am I going to need to, do I give them my license with the extension that was uh, until August 31st, my expired license that was on my birthday in May but my extension lasted till August 31st, which would have been good for my flight there and my flight home because I come back Monday the 30th. Or do I show them my paper license, the new one, or is that going to cause something? Should I bring my birth certificate if my license isn't here in time? Well, we could throw that all out the window. My license arrived on Monday. I went last Monday. I got it this Monday. So I'm good to go. I'm very happy. Things are good. I have a little mojo heading into this trip. I'm excited. Not much football. I mean, college football starts this weekend, but there's only four games. So um, going to see Bruno Mars on Saturday night, so that'll be fun. But, yeah, I'm just 
excited to be back in Vegas per usual. And, um, and yeah, so, um, I, so that's really it. There's not a whole lot of a lot going on in, in, in bachelor nation world. Again, anything that I get over the weekend, they should be wrapping up in Minnesota by either tomorrow or Saturday. I'd have to look at the schedule. But tomorrow or Saturday, they should be done, and they'll be out of there. And I ha- I do not know where they're going for overnights and final road ceremony yet. I hopefully will hear something. Or I won't hear anything, and we'll just get photos of where they are, and then I'll be able to tell the location. So Michelle is down to roughly six or seven guys. I know a few of them, not all. And obviously last season with mix- mixing up the Andrew and Michael Final four versus final five. Obviously, I want to make sure I get her final four correct before releasing it. And um, maybe some pictures of dates. The last few dates in, in Minnesota will get out. I don't know. But that's the latest really in, in, in Bachelor Nation world. I'm hearing a couple things Paradise related that I'll probably get to next week. Nothing that I feel confident running with now. But stuff that I've heard, stuff that's out there and, and, and kind of get to that. But um, so this is a this is a 90 minute interview with Jacqueline and you can basically break it up into three sections. You hear me say this at the end of the podcast, but basically the first 20 minutes is Jacqueline and I discuss the Greg Katie fight and the whole idea of gaslighting because Jacqueline, you know, is a clinical psychologist, Duke University. She's studying, uh, going for her Ph.D. She has a podcast where she literally has had on doctors and they've talked about stuff like this. One of the topics they did a whole podcast on was gaslighting. So we talk about that. And then for the next 40 minutes after that, Jacqueline and I discuss my reporting and how it's changed. And obviously Jacqueline is a part of that because she is best friends with Jenna Cooper. And during that whole time I was reporting on Jenna and believed it to be true Jacqueline and I remained friends. We would text, we would talk, and she would always say, "Are you sure about this, Steve? Because God, that's not the that's not the Jenna that I know." But hey, I mean, hey, maybe she's hiding something from me. And you know, so the way things have changed on the site, clearly you can see um, just from the backlash that it, it needed it, it it was a it was a wake up call to to change things, but. Jacqueline and I, for 40 minutes in today's podcast, dive into that. And I reveal some things that I don't think I've revealed up to this point. In addition, uh, and then the last 30 minutes of the podcast, roughly, is Jacqueline is currently freezing her eggs. And she talks all about the process, why she wanted to do it, where she's at in her life, when she wants to implant them to have kids, uh, and all that stuff that goes along with egg freezing. So... That's basically how the podcast is broken down. If you want to really uh, look at the timestamps on it, 20 minutes on gaslighting, 40 minutes on my reporting on the site and how things have changed. And then the last 30 minutes is about Jacqueline freezing her eggs. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Podcast number 249. Here she is. She was on Ari's season of The Bachelor. Then you saw her on season five of Bachelor in Paradise. She is a multi-time guest on this show. It is Jacqueline Trumbull. Jacqueline, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me back. And thank you for coming on. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I really 
enjoy having you on. I think we have a lot to talk about in this podcast. And, you know, one of the things, one of the major reasons I'm having you on is because you started to undergo a major, I don't know if change is the right word, but maybe you've started a major process in your life that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll get into in a bit. But I wanted to start out with you talking about Katie's season briefly, because on your podcast, uh, a little Mm -hmm. help for our friends, you and your co-host Kibby. You guys talk about all sorts of different topics. I mean, depression, suicide, mental health, anorexia, cyberbullying, anxiety. Mm -hmm. These are just some of the topics you've done. But one topic you did in in season one, you're currently on a a break, I believe, right? Yeah. Okay. So in season one, topic episode 24 was on gaslighting. And Mm -hmm. as we know, that is the new cool buzzword everyone likes to throw around anytime two people have an argument or a disagreement. Obviously, it became huge during Katie's season at the end when she, you know, she accused Greg of it. So, Jacqueline, I want you to settle this once and for all. With all your extensive knowledge in the medical <laughs> field and having read books on this and spoken to other doctors, psychologists, did Greg gaslight Katie? Wait, you like you like how I set you up for complete failure with that question? Since, yeah, since I, no matter. What... I don't know why I keep coming back. You do this to me every time. No, like, I mean, exactly. no matter what you say, half the audience is going to de- disagree with you and hate you forever. But seriously, it was it was such a hot topic, and I've told everyone where I've stood on it. But you're much more yeah. well versed in this than I am. What was your whole take on their fight that caused Greg to leave the show? Okay, no, it was not gaslighting. Um. And no, it was not a clear uh, example of abuse. That doesn't mean that it wasn't a maddening conversation. And I can understand why a lot of women who have been in emotionally abusive relationships felt triggered by it. Um, Because essentially, I mean, I I think, I don't think Katie's, I mean, she didn't define gaslighting correctly. But I can understand, I, I know what she was getting at, which was that, he essentially made her feel crazy and through, I mean, what it really seemed like was just extreme projection, um, you know, projecting this sense of, I mean, God, what was he projecting? I guess, you know, his father had died. He's projecting this sense of like, she was, you know, filled this, I guess, as he said, like hole in my heart from his loss. And, and the moment she slipped, you know, the moment she couldn't be everything that his father was to him, that, you know, as, as soon as she couldn't be his new shot at happiness completely, because she didn't react in the way that he was hoping for, then it was this huge betrayal to him. And that was never a fair position to put Katie in. And so I think the reason she thought it was gaslighting or called it gaslighting was because the, the the position he put her in was so unreasonable that then to then not listen to her objections, her explanations made her feel crazy. Um, it took away her control in a, in a way because there was nothing she could do to, uh, to make up for, her lack of perfect response. But that doesn't mean that he systematically went in and made her doubt her own reality and completely, you know, twisted facts uh, and totally denied all culpability. I mean, it just, it, it wasn't really that situation. Um, well, so I wouldn't call it gaslighting. So that's, that's the thing because 
you know, Katie called it gaslighting. So everyone that's a fan of Katie jumped on it and yeah. said, oh, my God, he gaslit her. And then people that were fans of Greg were saying Katie didn't give him what he needed, what's he supposed to do or whatever the case may be. I guess my question is, is there some sort of universe? Do we really know what the universal definition is? It seems like it's got a lot of layers to it to where it's not just gaslighting is this particular thing. And if this happens, you gaslit somebody. It seems like it's got a lot of layers to it. Yeah, I mean, it's when somebody uh, sort of, I mean, it's when they, they make you doubt your own, what you know of as reality. And and they're doing it. I mean, it can kind of happen unconsciously. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not like every single instance of gaslighting is somebody going in knowing what they're doing. Um, it can, it can be kind of an automatic defense mechanism, but what, I mean, I don't know that he ever lost sight of reality. I mean, he was basically saying like, you made me feel this way when you responded to me. I didn't like that. And then what he did was put a lot of meaning onto that. You know, that means that you can't connect with me on a real level. This means that somehow I've, I've lost touch with you as who you really are. Um, he wasn't saying, you know, you you said this in response and that like he he wasn't creating like a false reality around what happened he wasn't making up facts or descriptions or anything like that um so i mean she and she even tried to define it as like gaslighting is when you act like it's all the other person's fault well, no, that's not gaslighting. We do that all the time in fault in fights, you know, because oftentimes we think it was all the other person's fault. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, obviously that would not count as gaslighting. So yeah, and I think when when Katie defined it herself, which I believe was on the after the final rose, when she was sitting there with him, and uh-huh. she said, "You gaslit me. You made me." you know, question myself or you made it all my fault. It was just like, well, wait, if that's your definition of gaslighting, then yeah, I guess he did. But that's not what we understand to be the definition of gaslighting. So no, he didn't, but it doesn't mean he didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't mean that he couldn't have argued that conversation better. They both made a lot of mistakes in that. I don't, you know, like I've said from the second that episode aired, it was just like, I don't, I'm not on any team here. It just seems like two people that, had a very, very poor communication between each other. He could have said things better. She could have said things better. There doesn't need to be this black and white, You, if you like what Katie did in that conversation, then you're dead wrong. Or if you liked what Greg did, you're dead wrong. It just, why can't we just look at things a little more gray now? <laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah, it's an unpopular thing to do. I mean, my, my guess for why people don't like nuance uh, or the gray, as you say. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, this is sort of, this is me just kind of riffing or hypothesizing, but I think maybe with like the explosion of our communities, I mean, we used to live in sort of siloed like neighborhoods and towns and we would know the people around us and each town had its own little culture and we kind of knew the rules. And now with globalism and social media and just the internet broadly, uh, in a culture where we move around a lot, I think we're losing touch with the moral systems or cultural, uh, you know, traditions that kind of kept us grounded and allowed us to make sense of the world. And when that all gets blown up, I think people look for 
new rules, like new guideposts. And nuance can be very scary because it it stops you from doing that. You know, I mean, it's like, here's this rule, but maybe it doesn't make sense in these certain contexts. And maybe it really isn't that necessary to begin with. And it's like, we're all sort of struggling for structure. And so we might just be in a moment societally where people are just like desperate for some sort of structure and any calls for nuance or context or gray area are just shut down as like dangerous. Well, just out of curiosity, have you ever been gaslit in a previous relationship? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Can you give yeah. examples of what happened? Obviously, we don't need to know who the guy is or whatever, but can you give an example of of what it was? And it, it, did it occur over a period of time where it was a constant thing that he was doing? Like, what, yeah. what's an example of it? Uh, God, I would. Ha- I mean, I, I really have to go back. I'm not sure I would have exact details it was just every time I mean it was always started by some sort of narcissistic injury like I wouldn't be as I would look embarrassed at him or something or I would side with somebody else and he would just start really really twisting what had happened and he would be so invalidating that Um, I would lose sight of any kind of point that I had. And then he would hold, it was basically a choice between like, accept my reality or we're done. Um, But I'm trying to not, I'm trying to think back to an exact situation. Um, And, and, and honestly, this is why I think it's a little bit blurry. Like why, why people are calling this gaslighting is because it did feel like he was saying, either accept what accept my perspective on this or we're done but he actually was just done either way i don't know if there was anything she could have said um what did he do i mean he he was such a liar like he was a pathological liar right so um you know like when oh god sorry i'm struggling because i'm like it, it these terms bleed into one one another um he okay when we 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 had like a three and a half year relationship where most of it was not exclusive and that was his decision and it was also long distance okay so there was only a short period of time where we were actually like in a legitimate relationship and so in between those times and i was like in my early early 20s I would see other people and he caught me at one point I had texted uh, basically I he's not that he even caught me I admitted to going on a blind date with somebody during a time when we were not exclusive and he decided that if you say that you love somebody you are exclusive and therefore it was cheating And he would always kind of twist the rules like this so that I never had any footing. Like I could never, I could never move easily within the relationship knowing where the boundaries were because the boundaries kept shifting. And this really allowed him to create a reality where he always won because he could always say like, no, 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 this is what's true. These are the rules you were supposed to follow and you didn't. Therefore, you're a shitty girlfriend and a bad person, and I get to break up with you. Meanwhile, he was cheating on me this entire time. 
Well, um, well if you weren't exclusive, what was cheating then? Because we were exclusive at a certain oh, point. At, you know, let me throw at, that. Yeah. But but even even so, like let's say that we weren't exclusive, right? But his rule had changed to if you say you love me, if we're if we say we love each other, then that means we're exclusive. You didn't need to have a conversation. Well, later we got back together. We were saying I love you to each other every day. And he had a, a second girlfriend. So it was just like every time that I would try to say, you know, wait a minute, you t- like you said this before. You said we're not exclusive. It would shift to no. I said I love you. That means we're exclusive. How could you not know that? Well, I guess it's because you're so young and I have so much more life experience that, you know, you're just too immature. And so it was always a sort of denigrating of my own perception of reality and changing the rules so that they suited him. And meanwhile, he's getting away with whatever he wants to get away with on the side because he can always just make me make me question what like how to behave in the relationship. Yeah, well, definitely. So I would say that's. It sounds like yeah, it sounds like you just started to question your own reality, which seemingly was what gaslighting is. Like you begin to like, wait a second, maybe maybe this isn't what it is. And then he would, like you said, change the rules on you every time. Yeah. You'd be like, wait a second, this isn't fair. <laughs> and then he and then he would deny. You know, the, the other part is like, he would he would like fuck with my memory, right? Like, I'd be like, well, you said this before. No, I didn't. It's that kind of thing, you know. So, like, even the things I thought I had to hold on to, he would kind of pull the rug out from under them. Hmm. That must have been a fun yeah. relationship. You said early, I mean, it, early twenties. Yeah, I was twenty-one to twenty-four. Okay. I mean, I you know I did have a lot of fun experiences out of it. Like, at least at least I chose someone who was like rich and fun to torture me for three and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming he, and he was older, right? I think you said he was older than you. He was 18 years older than me. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure he, like you said, he used that against you a lot. Like, oh, I've because I'm yeah. older, I'm wiser, meaning I've had more life experiences. You're still young, and uh, yeah, I. Yeah, that sucks. So, that being said, I mean, when I watched that scene with Greg, I was like, oh yeah, this. It's kind of reminiscent, but it was it was one example, and there wasn't any clear reality twisting in it. Um, it just seemed like he was really projecting, and then like unable to hear her perspective, and there was no there was no validation. So there was like some flavor of it, but you know these fights happen where the other person just cannot get out of their own perspective, like they just can't, and they are projecting. Like that happens all the time, and so it wasn't clear that this was abusive or you know but it still sucked yeah and the other thing being that this is also two people that at this point barely know each other have never been on like a date where a camera wasn't following them around and they didn't have a mic back on like it's so hard to it, i don't know i it, my whole take on the gaslighting thing was gaslighting to me just seemed to be more about two people who've been in a somewhat long relationship where someone is literally mentally beating down the other person and eating away at them time after time after time. These are two people that barely knew each other that got in an argument. Like it just seemed like it was such a deep word to use for two people that were at the point in their relationship that Katie and Greg were to throw it as like, Oh wow. He was gaslighting. Cause it made it seem like it was pre-planned. Um, he went into this do, you know, this is his MO. Like it just, it just seemed way 
No. Well, that I, I would make that argument more about abuse than about gaslighting. I mean, you, you can gaslight somebody in a single instance. And you can gaslight somebody without even totally knowing that you're doing it. So maybe that was it. Maybe I was thinking more. It's like, I don't think, if, if it was, it wasn't pre-planned and something he had in his mind to do. I think maybe he just subconsciously was doing it and he didn't even know he was doing it. Uh, yeah, I think he completely spun out and just like lost touch with his own... <laughs> with his own groundedness, you know, his own, say, wise mind uh, in therapy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just the the idea of him telling her, someone he barely knew, that, hey, my dad died three years ago, two years ago, and and I'm looking for that hole to be filled in my heart. Like, that's just, like you said, it's a hell of a lot to throw on somebody you don't know at all, really. Yeah, I mean, this is why I think The Bachelor needs to be careful about who it casts. Like, (laughs) it's not just probably that Katie filled this hole in his heart. The entire culture of the show is different and you get to escape your own reality for a little while. And it's not just Katie. It's the producers who are sitting there listening to you and validating the parts of you that want so badly to be validated. And it's getting time off from work and just doing something exciting every single day. I mean, it, it's so, it's a hormonal experience, you know, I mean, your dopamine is constantly cresting and like, and, and then you get these moments of like extreme validation and you get this physical connection with somebody and there's a competitive element. I mean, he was completely yanked out of the depression and murkiness that he was in before. And I think that that can all get confused with one person. Um, and it can feel like this is Katie that's providing this. This is Katie's responsibility to provide it to me. And it's not. Yeah. And like you said, production plays a major role in that because they're validating him when he's not talking to Katie and probably mm-hmm. going into it, setting him up for that conversation. It's like they, it's like they kind of knew what was going to happen when he presented that to Katie. Like yeah. they were just waiting for that keg to explode. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. It just seemed, a, it seemed a, a bit heavy handed and now it's like possible, you know, obviously rumors floating around now that Greg might end up being the next Bachelor. And it's just like, right. one, is this guy ready to be the next Bachelor? But two, you can question whether or not he's ready. And most people will probably say, no, he's not based on what they saw at the end of Katie's season. But I don't think production cares whether they think this somebody is really ready. It's all about, hey, he was a popular guy on the last season. Let's make him the Bachelor. You know, I don't think they really are doing much deep insight into Greg's past and is his father's loss going to really affect him moving from they're just like hey he's a polarizing figure people are going to be talking about him let's make him the bachelor if that's well and if he's and if he's not ready he'll probably produce some interesting scenes like he did yeah I mean it's yeah but I mean it it is difficult to judge whether somebody's ready you know I mean I was fucked up from the show after it and I think I was as ready as anybody as I ever could have been like it it's just I mean, they go in and they do a personality test. That's all that happens. I mean, it's not like you talk to, I guess you talk to a psychologist for a little bit, but they're the ones who did the personality test. It's not like they're doing a diagnostic assessment or anything like that. Um, It's not like they really prepare you for the risks, but it's, it's not their job. I mean, I, I don't even know if that would be better because I guess it's always good to be prepared about risks, but you don't want somebody making the decision for you about, are you ready to come on the show? Um, because they're never going to know you really deeply before you come in. They don't have the resources. And ultimately it's your decision whether you want to do it. So 
yeah. I guess I, I guess I do wish they would be more open about the risks, but in terms of like, you know, having a heavy hand in, in saying, Oh, you're not mentally ready or emotionally ready. I don't, I don't know what the right thing to do is. Well, I don't think there's a good transition. That was a good talk for 20 minutes about that. I like, I okay. enjoyed that. Um, there isn't, there isn't a great transition to get to my next topic, which is something okay. that you and I have talked about privately and, yeah. Um, I, but I have no problem talking about it publicly because I've always enjoyed the conversations that we've had about it privately. And that is my mm-hmm. my coverage of this show. And yeah. obviously it's changed in the last six months. Um, actually, it's changed um, a lot since, you know, the Jenna situation. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I still get it to this day. And it's a, it's a really it's a really slippery slope because you've got a faction of this audience that while they like watching what they're seeing on TV, they love now the social media aspect of it, of who's liking whose pictures, who's commenting on whose pictures. Is somebody throwing shade at somebody else? What's the real story behind all this? And, you know, I am privy to a lot of things that are told to me by former contestants, and I have an ear to what's being said and what's happening behind the scenes on on a lot of instances. Not everything. I don't know everything about this franchise, but I know more than probably... 99.9% 99.9% of the people that are watching the show. So yeah. it, it, it it turns to me as in providing this quote-unquote tea uh, on people, and as we know, done in the past, which has ended up ultimately uh, affecting them either personally or professionally. So I had to mm-hmm. take a step back and decide, okay, how do I, how do I want to approach this? And obviously the biggest one was Jenna and you're friends with Jenna. And we've been over this numerous times on the, on the podcast and privately was not even just the reporting part of it. Cause the reporting part of it ended up just being all wrong. And you know, it's, you know, I've said it's the biggest mistake that I've, I've ever made on this site. And, um, you know, I did what I could to correct it. I mean, I I did Mm -hmm. everything possible um, but it was like, okay, going forward, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to vet better, but then it turns into a question of, and you've asked me this before is basically you've asked me, why do I do what I do? Why do I feel the need to say things about contestants that I know? And mm-hmm. it, it just comes down to, there was a, you know, a long period of time there where I had information that I knew the audience wanted to hear, but yeah. that information ultimately was usually not something positive about a contestant. And then it turns Mm -hmm. into that becomes their character. And I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of changed because I I haven't really gone that route. I didn't do it for any of Katie's season and I have plenty of info and bad information, not um, or negative information sent to me about Katie's guys. And I I said one thing all season. And Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, I, your thoughts on how exactly do you think I should approach something where someone comes to me and says, and let's just let's just automatically say that the information is true. Like, say, let's say it's been vetted and I've got it, and it's just a question of do I put this out there uh, against somebody, and is it worth it? Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my thoughts. Well, I have two lines of thought. I mean, the first is, well, have you lost any money since you stopped? No. All right. I mean, from my personal take is 
I don't like cancel culture. You know what it's like to be canceled. Why would you do that to somebody else if it doesn't even add to your bank account? And not that that was a stellar reason to be doing it in the first place, but um, that was the kind of the clearest. So, you know, it felt like, I, I mean, I was trying to ask you a values question. Like, what do you care? What do you care about? Um, is this important to you to do? Does it, do you want to make other people feel the way that you felt or that the way Jenna's felt? And if not, then why do it? I think where you really run into a moral, a greater moral question is when you hear about rape or abuse and you don't know what to do with that information. And I honestly don't know what to say about that either because, you know, you're not a court of law. Like oftentimes you hear this from, you know, like women who come forward and say that and, it's 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 really hard to know what to do because it you know you're not the proper kind of conduit for for releasing that information um yeah but also you feel responsibility to keep people safe and i I don't i don't know what to say about that yeah and i'm i'm in a position where i'm just a i'm yeah i'm i'm a i'm a loud voice in this franchise and people do listen Mm -hmm. to what i say but it's one thing to tell me that, oh, this guy's shady or this guy, this girl was seeing a guy right before she left for filming versus this guy sexually assaulted me, which has come, yeah. come to my feet and been brought to my attention um, more so than it should. And it's like, yeah. okay, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't have any, ink, I don't have any ends with this franchise. I'm yeah. not, I'm not a person that... Uh, I almost feel like Katie in this situation. Why is this being thrust upon me? I, I understand right. you want to get it out there, and I have one of the bigger voices, but I, I think that maybe that should be taken to authorities first before yeah. it's brought to my attention. And then, like, if I, it's like if I don't do anything, am I now putting that person in danger? And it's just like I, I'm not trying to, but I also feel like this isn't this is above my pay grade here to be right. brought brought with this type of information. And I mean, I did the best that I could in the, in the, you know, and um, who was it? Oh, uh, you know, during, um, you know, uh, Tasha season uh, with one of her contestants, we, we, we handled it all behind the scenes. We Ashley Spivey and I passed it off to, um, to Claire and Emma who took care of it and did a mm-hmm. more thorough investigation. Like, it could turn into one of those things for me. Like maybe they're thinking that I would do that, but that's just not, I'm not here to do investigative reporting on sexual assaults. Like that takes hours and hours and, you know, phone interviews. And that's just not what I'm going to do. But do I hear about what you're trying to do either? Yeah. Yeah. I no, I mean, that's, that sounds like a reasonable middle ground. I mean, I guess what I would not do is blast it to the public because, and I haven't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if Claire and Emma are qualified to to look into it, I, I mean, I don't really know how journalism works. I don't know if you're like trained in a certain kind of journalism and not other kind of journalism. Um, I mean, maybe passing the information to production could make sense so that they can look into it. But you are in a real quandary there. I, I, I don't I don't know what you should do. I mean, one you know, one thing I appreciated was like you knew that I had a friend who was talking to one of these guys i think that never aired um and you were like look just i want her to be safe so 
you know, these girls have reached out to me. Can you pass that on to her? <laughs> That's right. And I'm already forgetting what ha- I'm already forgetting that. Who was not, yeah. not don't say the name, but what um when was this? How long ago? Uh I think it was one of uh it was like like two years ago, one year ago, I don't know. One and, and a half years ago. And one and <laughs> it was one, during COVID. And it was one of your friends? That I know someone that I knew you knew and I knew something about the guy they were with. Yeah. God, why am I blanking on this? I, I, I know I know I did it. I just totally blanking on who it was. But yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like behind the scenes now it's it's turned into more of like that's kind of what I have have started to do is while yeah. I'm not talking about it publicly if I happen to have any connections behind the scenes, I've started to go that route and not making it, you know, and not, and not doing it publicly at all. I just don't think it's, I just, it's plus, I just can't come out and say somebody is a sexual assaulter or somebody is a rapist. I I can't just come out and say that. Even if someone comes to me and says, this man raped me, which is what has happened in the recent past. I can't just I say, mean, like, yeah, could, he's a rapist. Like, come on. We could put it out to your listeners. I mean, I don't know if any of your listeners out there are lawyers or journalists or any, like, anybody has a suggestion about what to do with this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really don't, I really don't know. I mean, obviously, you don't want to rape allegations because you're swept under the rug. Um, but on the other hand, it doesn't seem like you're, you know, <laughs> the appropriate person to be um, publicizing that. So. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that, um, you know, obviously, I can't just come out and say that. But then, again, there's also some, you know, some sort of levels of like that's a very high level of tea on somebody, somebody yeah. sexually assaulted somebody or or something like that. Then it comes down to the lower level stuff where it's like, okay, this stuff is the the kind of tea that's not, you know, going to be a, a a reputation ruiner, but it's stuff that we hear all the time. Hell, it came up twice last night on on Paradise's episode, which was oh. Uh, Victoria P uh, had a boyfriend before she went on the show. Oh, um, Brandon was seeing Piper before he went on the show. It's like, okay, that's like the show stuff that people love to talk about. And Mm -hmm. that stuff has also started to become, all right, how do I approach that? Because then you're putting, because the other thing is I can't reach out to these people. If someone comes to me and says, Hey, Steve, so-and-so was dating somebody pre-show. I can't reach out to these contestants because number one, they're going to be on paradise or whatever the case may be. And by them responding to me and telling me yes or no, they are now technically giving something away on paradise that they're not allowed to tell me. So it's like people say that I'm very one-sided in my approach, but you have to understand, I can't reach out to these contestants. I'm not allowed to go to them and say, Hey, I'm about to run with a story that you were with so-and-so what's your response? Because either they're going to ignore it or they're going to say no comment but they're not going to be able to get in front of it because by doing so they are now talking to reality Steve behind the scenes. And that's a big no, no, you know, that being on the show that they, they don't like me and they don't want you guys talking to me. So it's just, it's just a <laughs> yeah, really tough know, position to be in. If you know, what's going to be one sided, then why do it? Because that one side still might be true. It might be, but you know, the effects that this has. Well, yeah. That, and that's why I've kind of just, what I'm saying is the information that I'm told can Mm -hmm. still be true without, you know, proof or evidence that I'm allowed to post. Because most proof or evidence that I do have in my possession 
about stories that I've posted by posting it publicly outs that source now. And these people are obviously telling it to me anonymously, not I don't know who they are. It's here. Who's here's who I am. And this is post Jenna stuff. This is here's who I am because anybody that comes to me with something, it's like, all right, who are you? I need to know who you are. Do you have an Instagram page? Do I know that the person I'm talking to is the person on the Like, I go through this whole vetting process now. And it's like, okay, you told me this. What do you want me to do with it? Well, I just need you to know, I, this guy doesn't need to be getting the attention he's going to get from this show. It kind of happened with Tasha's contestant. The problem with that one was this sexual assault that took place years ago. He had already filmed Tasha's season. It's like, I, what do you want me to do at this point? It, it's he, He's already airing on television. Like, I, I don't know what I can do. Um, that's the other problem. It's like most of the stuff that's said, like if I find out something about somebody on Paradise this season, like Paradise filmed in June. What do you want me to do about it now? And it's like, well, if you don't say anything, you're protecting them. No, I'm not. I'm just, I don't know if I'm the right conduit here. I don't know if I'm the right middle person here to be handling this, you know? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so this is why we're talking about two different things. I mean, there's the sexual assault stuff, which, I mean, I'm just trying to think of incentives. Like her incentive of outing this guy might be to protect other women. You know, she doesn't want other women to be in her position or her friend's position. Um, And that's a perfectly legitimate incentive. Again, I don't think you're the right person to be reporting that, but I really, I really don't know. Like I, I, I kind of would want input from somebody who is better qualified to answer that question than me. When it comes to other stuff, like he cheated on my friend or he's dating somebody before the show, it's like, what's the incentive of going to you with that? It's probably so that this person can be trashed and you're, you can sort of froth at the mouth about it and feel pleased that you drag somebody down. I mean, it's hard to understand, like, why else it would be that because they know what's going to happen you know i mean they know that person will get a ton of shit online yeah. and their character will now be the narrative is whatever you know reality steve put out there um yeah and yeah i mean it's I, you know to the public it, it could be the same thing it could be i don't want him doing you know just know he cheated on me so he, you know the public needs to know that he's a cheater it's like, okay, right. maybe you're looking out for other women, but are you? it's very hard to determine. Are they really, or are they just looking to get it out there so they know that the public will have now this negative impression of them just like that girl did and or guy, mm-hmm. you know? It's just, it's such a slippery slope, and it's just becoming more and more difficult every season because I've I've got this information that, you know, before I shared at the drop of a hat. Now it's like I'm not even sharing kind of you know lower level stuff about negative stuff about contestants it's just it just seems like it's such a a hassle and it's all turned into hey if you want to come out and say this about somebody if you want to come out and tell the story that they can take responsibility for it themselves yeah now i and then it then it but even then sometimes when i do that it kind of turns into steve why'd you give this person a platform it's like Mm -hmm. wait what i I thought you wanted to hear the tea and I thought you didn't want me to be the middle person and not and give you and tell you something without any proof or you know evidence. I'm giving you the proof and the evidence. This person is coming forward and then I'm still shit on because I gave this person an opportunity to tell something negative about a contestant. It's just like right. where's the where's the line drawn? Where's probably, should I just probably ne- just not do it. Just don't do it. And, and never say <laughs> and never say anything about any contestant that's negative. I don't know. I mean, if it's 
I don't know. What's been valuable for you to tell people? Like, what do you think? Yeah, people need to know that. Well, I think that I think the Tasha example of the the guy on her season is, you know, a, a big one because we. What happened on her? This is we, he sexually assaulted someone. Yeah, years ago, and she came to okay. me. Ashley and I spoke to her both, but we're just like, you need to tell your story. I told her to go to authorities. Um, but it was a, you know, it was a while ago. It was, it was back in high school. Um, she was a high schooler. He was in college. Um, so it was, um, or it was the, it was the summer after she graduated high school. So it was like 18, 19 years old and he was, you know, early twenties, but, um, and Claire and Emma reported on this. No, they did. No, they did a whole, yeah. they, yeah, they, Claire and Emma. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Claire and Emma interviewed her. They interviewed people that were there at this party. Apparently they had all sorts of quotes. Like they, they did a very extensive and well done interview, which is what, which is how that story should have been handled. I just didn't have the time to go do all that, but I knew it and I believed this story. And then, you know, sometimes I get a story from somebody that tells me about a sexual assault that happened recently and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we're in this time where what am I supposed to say when someone tells me that? Now, prove it. Or no you yeah, di- right. no you didn't. So yeah. I I I'm I'm coming around to the fact that every story that is told to me by a woman that has to deal with some sort of assault or abuse, immediately I'm on their side. I'm I'm believing them, but it's also like, okay, but you need to somehow you have to know that if if I'm going to run with this story or you're going to talk about this story and I'm going to give you the platform to talk about it, you need to have some sort of proof or evidence. But if it was two people in a room by themselves, like uh, how, how are they going this to prove is, it to convince others? And that's the rape culture. What's so tragic about sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the women get so used to being invalidated and not believed. And of course they don't want to have to show proof because what, sh- what proof can they show? But on the other hand, I, I don't know what the other option is. Yeah. And you can't just blast people for something you don't know if it happened. Um, but it, it sounds like the one time you really valued your role in this was when you passed it along to people who could, could take the time to do genuine reporting yeah. um, on, you know, on sexual assault. And so maybe that's just how you do it going forward. Unless one, one of the people listening to this has a better suggestion, because I'm certainly not the authority on this. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, um, it's tough because I, I'm just in this position now where, and look, not everything I get negative is you know has to do with assault or abuse, but I'm mm-hmm. just even talking about the lower level stuff right now because again, it turns into, um, you know, the narrative that now follows that character or that contestant around is yeah. if you say this about them, then it must be true and even if i don't provide evidence it doesn't just because i don't provide evidence doesn't mean it's not true it just means that the evidence that i provide would out the person who told me and now i've just determined look if you want to out a contestant on this show and say something negative about them and share something negative it's it's going to have to be on them and um mm-hmm. they're going to need to come forward and share it and and the most recent ones that have come forward have said, no, I don't want my name out there because just like a, a a woman who is abused or assaulted, the people that are on the guy's side immediately are going to start attacking that woman online. Mm-hmm. So the second they put their name out there, even if it's something minor or, you know, less than abuse and assault, um, 
they know the second their name is out there, people are going to start hitting them up on on Instagram and they're going to start calling them a liar. Why are you going after him? Or they're going to invalidate their story. And it's just like it's just this one big cycle that nobody can say anything anymore without being crucified for it, even if it's true. Like, well, right. So so I mean, it, it what do you think would be valuable? We're not talking about sexual assault, this lower level stuff. Yeah. Do you think it's valuable to out people for this? I guess it's a case by case basis. I can't just say universally yes or universally no. I think it all depends on the situation, the storyline. Is what we're seeing on like, is what we're seeing on TV, and what I know privately not indicative of what's happening on television. I to me that seems relevant. That what you're watching okay. on TV is not that person's real character or that's not what they're all about. I, I, but it's so, it's so hard to know that yeah. from past experiences, right? I mean, you know, somebody could have been an ass to a previous, I mean, I've been an ass to previous guys that I've dated, you know, but that doesn't mean that I'm an asshole to ball or that, you know, I mean, so much of this is contextual yeah. and that's why I said case to case maturity. That's why I say case to case basis. I, I just don't know. It's so hard to say, Yes, it is, but I, I'm trying to think of examples, and without naming names, I'm trying to think of a, a recent one, but um, I mean, I've got so many. I've got so many things were told to me about Katie's guys, and I never, I, I never said one thing all season about any of them, and yet I'm covering a show, and I'm talking about them in my recaps, knowing that, okay, what they, the way they're coming across on this show is... Again, totally different from what I was told, like literally right before they went on the show. Not something that happened to them in high school or in middle school, because I've gotten that too. Like, oh my god, um, you yeah, know, but Steve, this girl bullied me in high school. It's like, that, okay, I'm sorry, that's not a story, you know. Steve, if you talk to Jordan Major like two years ago, he would say that I am the worst person in the entire universe. And if I then went on a show and was super nice and great and thoughtful. You know, he could have contacted you and you'd be like, well, this isn't who she is. And it's like, well, no, he, you know, he and I had a blowout. <laughs> like, Wait, that was work out. That was pre-show? What? This was post-show. Uh, this was post-show. Post-show, but I'm just, I, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. just the timing doesn't really matter. The point is that they were close in time to each other. Yeah. And I'm not going to say what happened or anything, but the point is we're both good people who just collided in a bad way. And he he's always going to have a negative perception of me and that's fine. But that's one person that, that doesn't describe my personality. Like there's always going to be people who have negative opinions of us and the people who are coming to you have the most negative opinions of these people because they've been fucked. I mean, we live in a fuckboy culture. We live in a ghosting culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, people do shitty things to each other all the time, but that doesn't define the entirety of their character. And when you meet the right person or a more right person or you mature a little bit, even if it's within a you know, four-week span or something, that doesn't mean that you're lying or misrepresenting yourself. And so I'm not sure what good it does to say, okay, well, uh, Max is you know, such a sweetheart on the season, but I heard that he cheated on his girlfriend. It's like, well, both of those things can be true. And also, they might have diff different definitions of cheating or different de definitions of exclusivity. <laughs> Like my ex and I did. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, what about <laughs> it's just, what about the idea uh, of what about the idea of that person needs to know? Like, par like Bachelor and Bachelorette is different because it's all you know, guys, twenty five, thirty guys chasing one girl, and vice versa for 
um, Bachelor. Um, Paradise is a little bit different because there's so many different couples going on. You've been a part of Paradise and you know how it is where you just you're down there and there's so many different people and so many different options that each person has. And this whole idea, I mean, look, did you see last night's episode or no? Uh, yeah. Okay. So what I do, you know, the stuff that's told to me, so-and-so cheated or this guy's a player, that's no different than exactly what happened on Monday night's episode. They went to James, Tammy and Kelsey went to James and said, Victoria P has um, a boyfriend back home. And then Mm -hmm. the other people went to, uh, you know, Natasha and said, Hey, Brendan was seeing Piper before this show started. So mm-hmm. if it's allowed on that show, that's why I kind of feel like, why am I not allowed to say that? Well, of They're course it's on allowed on that show because the whole point of the show is to create drama. And these people are, you know, they, they know what they're getting into, but I mean, you, you can't, it's not that you're not allowed to, I never said, no, don't no, do I this. Never, no, I didn't say you weren't, you were telling me I'm, I couldn't. It seems like you're not doing this anymore because you don't feel right about it. I mean, that's what. That's what it's felt like every time I've talked to you about this is like you're starting to wonder if this is the right thing to do. Um, You don't like the effects it's having on people's lives. You've felt the effects on your own life. And so why be a part of it? And that's my only question to you. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. No, I I think it, it I think for me. It was in the past. It was every single time I heard something, I was pretty much running with it. Now yeah. I think I'm just way, way, way more selective. And in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, again, case by case basis, what I know, how I know it, who told it to me, what information did they provide? What evidence did they provide? Did they provide any text messages? Did they provide any picture evidence? Like it's turned into all that. And then it's at that point I sit down and determine, okay, is it worth it to run with this on this person? Because I know now that, and I brought this up to you last night when I was texting you, which was this idea of if I bring it out against somebody who's universally not liked, it's allow mm-hmm. it's a hell of a lot more easily to be accepted by the public than if it's against yeah. somebody who's well liked in the franchise. And I think that's such a that's such a it's it's a kind of a cop out because. If you if you enjoy the tea that I give you, you sh- you have to enjoy it for people that unfortunately are well liked in this franchise. Because if I told somebody a story about Victoria Larson, it's so much easier for them to accept it because Victoria Larson, for the most part, it's not just she's not well liked. You know, people are just like, okay, we're over this whole goddess thing, and I'm the yeah. queen and all that. It's if I give dirt about Victoria Larson, it's like, oh yeah, great tea. But if I yeah. give dirt on somebody that is, you know, totally loved in this, like, I don't have any dirt on Abigail, but if I did, oh, my God. I mean, there, there'd be no way. I mean, Abigail can't do anything wrong. She's Abigail. She's the nicest girl in the world. And, you know. Well, people people like their narratives to make sense. You exactly. Know? So, it's their so own, it's their own self-truths. They don't, they don't want to yeah. listen to any sort of if they if they believe in their mind that Abigail is the greatest woman in the world no matter what i say no matter what evidence or proof i provide it's not going to be good enough for them anyway and i'm and look and i'm going to repeat but myself know, right now we, i'm not talking mm-hmm. about i do not have negative information about abigail i'm just using her because she was the first name that popped up that i know is universally loved right now so no i don't okay. have anything on abigail but if you told me that you know paul did something egregious 
I would really want like all the evidence I'd be, and I'd be angry and I'd be upset and I wouldn't want to believe it, you know, because he's someone I have a very positive regard for. And if you said that someone I didn't like did something egregious, I would feel very validated and like my, I had been right to hold my position and I'd feel probably pretty gleeful about it. And this is the same for pretty much everybody on earth, right? Like when we, decide to like somebody there's a level of trust even if it's a person who's on a tv screen because it's you've trusted you've trusted what they represent uh you've trusted oh this is a good guy okay good guys do exist here's an example of one and then oh my god he did something shitty no i don't want to believe that that would ruin this one example of a good guy you know of my team the person that i that i trusted how they represented themselves so it is an affront um, obviously, you know, we need to try to rise above that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we all have our biases. We have our biases, yeah. you know. Um, I, it's just, it's just such a case by case basis now for me. And I didn't do any of it during Katie's season and I haven't done any of it during Michelle's season. And I've gotten plenty, plenty of negative information about some of Michelle's guys. And I haven't said anything yet. And I haven't, and I don't know if I will. Um, because as far as, you, as right now, nothing, the people that have told you, me don't want to come forward. If you get a message saying that one of Michelle's guys has a girlfriend back home, why, what is the part of you that would want to publicize that? Is it because you like the attention? Is it because you like holding people responsible? Is it, I mean, what is it? Well, I think for what me, is the part of you that's struggling? yeah, no, I think for me is, is it, for me, it comes down to when I get told, at what point in filming do I get told this? And honestly, is this guy a first or second night rose ceremony eliminate T? Because if he's not, if he is, then it's he's not a big deal. It's not a big deal that you're, he has a girlfriend back. But home. you're you're talking about your justifications for this. But what is the reason in you? What what feels valuable to you? What is the part in you screaming, Yes, I want to put this information out there? What do you get in return? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never really thought about it that way, I guess. I don't know. But for me, I, I, I'm looking at it now when you ask that and I'm like, it's always been, I've, I've actually, I mean, people can choose to believe this or not, but honestly, it's been, I think the lead would need, if I was the lead, I would need to, I would want to know this about this guy. He's lasted X, you know, he's down to the final four. He's in my final three. I would want to know this about this person because so is am I being played? Contact, private, privately contact them. I, I just, well, one, that's, that's the other thing that we're talking about. It's like, at what point in filming am I finding this out? If they're filming, I nothing I say is going to matter. I can't contact the lead during filming. All I can do is report out there, hey, this is the story. And I guess the closest thing that we came to that, and it ended up being true, was the Jed situation. You know, I was, now granted, that was post-show, but... Everything that this, you know, Jed's girlfriend and the reason Hannah ended up breaking up with Jed post-show and ending an engagement with this guy was because of what this girl said. She came on my podcast twice mm-hmm. to tell everybody and gave proof and gave evidence of this is what he said to me. This is what he did. He got off the plane in L.A. and was telling me, wait for me to come back, stuff like that. So I'd say that's pretty relevant because Hannah was engaged to the guy. But if that same situation happened and the guy and I found out that guy got eliminated second, I wouldn't even think twice about reporting it because he's not relevant to I don't need to look out for Hannah in that situation because Hannah's already gotten rid of that guy. He does. He's not going to affect her relationships moving forward with anybody else. 
So that's where I've kind of looked at it is like, how far is this person lasting? And are they still on the show? And I guess the one other example I could bring up was all the Victorious Fuller stuff that I reported. You know, I heard that before the season even started and I did nothing with it. I said, look, let's just wait and see. I, I still have the emails telling that person, let's just wait and see how long she lasts. Cause this might not even be relevant that she dated Chase Rice and, and this is her past, um, in the Virginia beach area. But then mm-hmm. she gets to the final four and it's like, okay, this came out. And then it ended up getting out. They brought one of those women on the show to, to tell Peter about it. So I almost felt justified because the show used it as a storyline. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, honestly, it, it comes down to, and I'm not trying to be this savior or whatever, but, and even though I don't know these leads and I've never spoken to pretty much most of them in my life, as the guy who likes to report negative things about contest, uh, you know, or has reported negative things about contestants in this franchise, it is part of me looking out for them and thinking if I was in that situation, I would want to know. Okay, I would want to know too, but I wouldn't want it blasted to the public because then that puts me in a position where I have to consider my own reputation, my public reputation. And maybe I actually do kind of understand why, let's say, Jed did what he did or I believe him. Um, I've come to terms with it, but it would be publicly humiliating for me to still be engaged to him. And that's just an element that I'm not sure you want to put on these people versus just privately emailing her or DMing her and saying, just so you know, this is the information I have. I want to make sure that you're in the relationship you want to be in. And like, if if we're talking about the um, Hannah situation here, you're saying personally reach out to Hannah. Um, yeah. If that were the case back then, I should have just personally reached out to her. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've just figured that I guess I just figured that it would never they would never respond to me because it's ingrained in their head to not deal with reality Steve. So I figure my message is getting is falling on deaf ears. They're not uh, going to listen to it. I wouldn't assume that. I mean, I think after we've all been contestants, we know who you are and what the deal is and it's quite interesting to know what you have to say. <laughs> I mean, put it this way. I mean, I have I, I, I have done it in the past where I reached out mm-hmm. privately first um, and then, you know, it backfired. I was told I was meddling in people's relationships. And then it's just like, OK, I reached out to help. I reached out to give you information about somebody that I thought was pretty relevant if you're going to jump into a relationship with this guy. And then it backfires on me and I'm told I'm meddling in people's relationships and I'm harassing them. It's like. Well, but, Wait, but huh? if that's how they feel, that's how they feel. Why would you then go public with, public with it? I mean, oh, it's not, this, this was something I never went public with. They did. Well, no, I, <laughs> okay. I mean, look, I, you do whatever you want. I would just get really clear on why you're doing these things. If it's a, an altruistic act where you just want to know, you just want the person to know what they're getting into, then I think there's better ways to do it. Personally, I could understand if I were in your position I mean, I don't know if this is you, but like enjoying having the influence on the show, that's a really powerful feeling. Um, Enjoying the tension it gathers. I I just, I don't think either of those things is bad to feel, but I would just be honest with yourself about if you are feeling those things, because that might be swaying you in a direction and you might not be aware of it or willing to admit it. Yeah, I think there's a part of me that knows that this role I have in this franchise is to get the quote unquote truth out there at mm-hmm. times. 
And so if I see something on TV and I know something's totally opposite behind the scenes, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, okay, what's being shown isn't the truth. And my readers and my listeners want to know the dirt. That's what they, they love. As long as it's dirt about somebody that they don't like, um, Mm -hmm. they love it. And so, yeah, there's a part of me that wants to provide that. And clearly I have a lot of behind the scenes dirt, but for the last six months or whatever, I haven't shared any of it. And there's yeah. some, and there is some there is some shit out there. I'm not talking about just, you know, sexual assault stuff and rape stuff. Um yeah. I'm not even talking about that. I'm not just I'm not diminishing those things. I'm just saying I'm not even talking about that. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about there are people in this franchise right now that you're watching on TV that are putting up a giant facade and I know about it. I have proof of it, but Again, if I go up there publicly, I become the asshole and public enemy number one. And I hate women because I'm outing her. And it's just like, you know, that's where it got to me to a point where I'm just like, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. It's not worth Mm -hmm. it. But it doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean I don't know something that's true because I've got, you know, the info sitting on my phone. Um, Hell, I hell, I, uh, you know, smaller, you know much lower level stuff, but I texted you that uh, video this weekend or last at uh, the end of last weekend. You know what video I'm talking about, right? No. Um, without using names. Um, <laughs> oh, we can just, oh, we can just say like, I, I'm not going to use names, but I can publicly talk about it. The video I sent you of somebody on paradise this season who's hooking up with somebody else. And I sent you the video of the proof of them um, on a FaceTime. Remember? No, I have no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you sure you sent it to me? Yes, I know I did. Hold on, let me go back. Let me. Um, I know I did. Remember, it was like it was like <laughs> Thursday or Friday night here, Jacqueline. Um, <laughs> and I wrote, oh yeah, no, I sent it to you on um, what day? Thursday. So four days ago. And I said, oh, yeah, forgot to tell you, so-and-so's fucking so-and-so. And I sent you the video, and you're like, how's that proof that they're fucking? <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And I, I said, because the person that sent it to me was right there and said the other guys knew about it. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, yeah, well, whatever. Everyone's probably fucking everyone. That's what you wrote back. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, that's – but you, you have to admit, if I were to put that out there or that T got out there, People would mm-hmm. love that, you know, yeah, I know. not even because of the people that it's involved. It's just they love that type of tea. And that's the type of stuff that I'm talking about. Something like that, where it's just like, oh, those two are hooking up now. And it's like, yeah, I know about it. I've seen the proof. I showed it to you. I've sent that video to a couple other people, too. They thought it was funny. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, where it's just like I've got all this info and I know that the audience clamors for it and I know that they love it as long as it's somebody that they, you know, don't really care for or indifferent about. Um, but yeah, they would eat that up. They would eat that story I, up in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. And what good would it do? Well, I mean, it would obviously get good. Would it do in what the grand scheme of things? I mean, you could say for that anybody. about this show. What's the whole point of it? What's the show in the grand scheme of things? What does it do? It's just a bunch of basically just, yeah. Entertainment and gossip. That's all mine would be, would be entertainment and gossip. I mean, that's, it's like, I, that's essentially what it would turn into. It's just, do I want to be this entertainment and 
gossip columnist or just a guy who spoils, hey, you're going to see this engagement at the end of the show and these two or whatever. And, I've, and that's what I've kept it to the last um, you know six months or so. It's just like I'm just going to report the spoilers and who's dating who from the show. If it's show-related, yeah. I mean, look, I mean. I, I mean, I, I think that's the question you need to answer. I can't answer it for you. That is, you know, is it, is it, you know, the gossip thing? Like, do I just want to be a gossip columnist or whatever? If that's what you want to be, be it. Yeah, no, I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't, I've noticed in the last few years, it just doesn't, it's not worth it. Like. So you have your answer. Yeah. Is it, is it great? Is it great fodder? And would the crazy ass fans, the toxic bachelor nation eat it up? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But go get it from, you know, you have to get it from somewhere else um, because it's just not something that, you know, it's not going to say I'm never going to do it. But compared to what I did in the past, where literally everything mm-hmm. that I had was I put out there. It's just it's just not. I realize it's not worth it anymore because a lot of the times it's against people who have already put some of the contestants up on a pedestal. And yeah, you can't bring them down from that no matter what it is. No matter how clear the evidence is, it's clear that they well, did this. You, you brought Jenna down. <laughs> well, I'm talking. I'm talking post Jenna because I know that yeah. the Jenna stuff was just obviously a, a huge thing and a huge mistake, and really framed a lot of people's opinions of her. But you know, in talking about the Jenna stuff, I'm trying to think of back to that time. I don't think Jenna was somebody that was universally loved or hated in this franchise. I think she was just kind of looked at as a contestant on this show. I don't think there was a a, a giant sway one way or another uh, towards. People her. really liked her on Paradise. I mean, she's adorable and. I'm I'm saying coming sparkly. off of Ari season, I thought I thought she was well, pretty. No, nothing. Yeah, yeah, well, she didn't get any airtime on Ari season, but yeah. on Bachelor in Paradise, she was very well liked. Yeah, and then. Obviously, when I reported everything, it got swayed and, you know, things changed. And I, but what I reported on on Jenna, Mm -hmm. which ultimately ended up being wrong, I guess my question is just thinking out loud. Why were people so quick to accept it and immediately believe that that was who Jenna was? Whereas if that same situation happened with, what was another couple that ended that season together? Who was the other? Um, Crystal and Chris. Uh, I don't know. And then Annalise and. Yeah. Annalise could yeah. be over nothing, but um, I'm just saying like. Maybe people are more skeptical now. I mean, before they used to take your word as God, right? And now it's, it's not. So I, I don't know if this is a post Jenna change or what. Yeah. Maybe it's just because uh, at the time I'm like, you know, obviously I believed it to be true and whatnot, and I was selling it as it was true because I believed it to be true. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, why did everyone else immediately jump to it being true? Why couldn't they have called me out and said, now, granted, there were probably people out there that, that did doubt it. Obviously, you were one of them. I'm talking about the masses. It was so well, easy well, for I mean, everyone Jenna, to believe this about Jenna. Why? Jenna, Jenna, well, Jenna, there's something kind of opaque about Jenna, you know, and I mean, I, I know this as her friend and it's one of the more intriguing things about her, but she isn't the easiest person to read. She, I I think she's also easily 
hateable if you are prone to envy. I mean, she represents the bubbly, beautiful blonde who guys swarm to, to, Mm. you know. And so I think the opportunity to see that representation as damaged or too good to be true was very appealing. And this is the female fan base, you know, and so... I, I just I think it was a little bit too tempting to hate her there. Yeah, maybe. No, that's a good. That's a that's that's reasonable because now I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking like okay, who is like a a below like I'm going back a few years here, but if I would have reported the same exact thing that I did on the Jenna Jordan situation on like Tenley, I don't think mm-hmm. the I don't think the masses would have jumped to that and been like oh totally see Tenley doing this because that's what it turned into with Jenna was like they saw it as believable because of whatever they saw Jenna as come across on television. Whereas Tenley, I think it would have been less believable, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Tenley was she girl next door. Relatable? Yeah. yeah. Girl yeah. next door. Um, yeah. I mean, just, I, I don't think they would have jumped on it and believed it. Um, or would have been so quick to jump on Jenna. And look, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to dismiss my role in it. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud of now that I think back on it, why did everybody say, oh yeah, I could totally see that when it was Jenna, when, oh, take, take currently Abigail again, I, I hate bringing her up, but she's like, obviously one of the most beloved characters in this franchise right now. If I were to do the same story on Abigail, there's no way the masses would jump on Abigail and be like, oh, I could totally see that with Abigail the way they did with Jenna. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, because I think there's, you know, and yeah, it has it has changed since then. I just have not, I've, I've laid off a lot of things. Um, yeah, there, there are things that I have shared, you know, uh, but nothing to where, um, put it this way, it could be a lot worse because of the stuff <laughs> that I have, the amount of things that I have and the things that, um, I know people would eat up. I've just kind of left mm. alone and just, I almost let these people bury themselves with their social media activity and the yeah. the comments that they make, let, you know, let them do it. Um, yeah. okay. So let's transition into the third topic that we want to talk about because the biggest thing going on for you right now in your life is you've mm-hmm. decided to freeze your eggs. You've been very open yes. about this, documenting it in your IG stories and whatnot. And, yep. but let's first go back to the decision to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I guess just summarize it for people that didn't follow along or didn't, didn't know about your journey here. Tell everybody what went into it, when you decided to do this, why you decided to do this, everything that goes along with it. Yeah, so the reason I originally did it is very different than the reason I'm doing it now. I still stand by the reason I originally did it, which was essentially, um, I'm 30. And I mean, this all starts with Caroline Lunny, who's a very, very good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And she did modern fertility, found out that her AMH levels, which is a hormone that corresponds to how many eggs you have, were extremely low. And, um, you know, went doctor shopping and was let down a lot. People wouldn't even freeze her eggs. She didn't have enough of them. Finally found Dr. Amy. And so she started working with this doctor and obviously heavily promoting her. And I just got interested. Um, Dr. Amy has a freeze and share program where if you are willing to give half of your eggs away to another couple, she'll freeze them for free. 
And so I originally talked to her about that, uh, but I have <laughs> I have ADHD, and so that makes me unattractive to potential egg egg wanters, uh, egg shoppers. So hmm. I just decided, fuck it, you know, I'd want to do this anyway because. I got my modern fertility results and found out that I had very high AUBH levels. So I was anticipating having a lot of eggs. And the nice thing about that is that I could get them all right now, put them on ice and basically have my fertility totally secured. And the thing is, like, at the time, you know, Paul and I were in a new relationship. Our first year was very rocky. And it was really my first real relationship. I mean, my other long relationship was obviously bullshit. You know, I just talked to you about it. And other than that, it was like a lot of casual dating. Um, and part of that was because with my career, I move around so much. Like after college, you know, I desperately wanted to be in New York. Couldn't, had to move home to Charleston so I could get into psychology in Charleston. Still desperately wanted to <laughs> move to New York uh, so that I could get a better job and because I love New York. And so then in New York, I'm there until I'm 28. And it's like, I can't even really find a partner here because I know that PhD programs have a 2% acceptance rate. And so I don't really get to choose where I live. And so then I find myself in North Carolina at 28, no boyfriend at first. And it's like, God, given my relationship history, given my career, when am I even going to have a kid? And then, you know, it's not like the moving is over. I have an internship year at the end of this, which is probably going to be in a different state. And then there's two years of postdoc, which is probably in a different state. And so I'm not in a settled place in my career until I'm in, until I'm about 36 years old. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to have a baby before then. Now I pretty much definitely will, but it, I, I didn't, I wanted to basically be able to say, okay, if I need to wait until my late thirties to have my kids, I can do that. And I'm not going to, chance it on my body being able to produce these i'm going to shore up my fertility now so that i have that option um even that even given that i have a partner you know he still has to get tenure he the best way for him to get you know make more money basically is to accept other jobs or get other job offers and so that's like two two moving people and it can be hard to um to coordinate a marriage and pregnancy and obviously we're going to just have to make the sacrifices necessary to make that work but you know where I was I was like just starting out in the program just starting out in this relationship and I didn't know what kind of sacrifices I wanted to make for uh you know for a family so I just decided to go and freeze 20 eggs and just have total freedom. And then I wouldn't have a biological clock driving me. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm only settling down with Paul because I'm 30 and I'm worried I won't be able to get pregnant. You know, I'd be like, no, I have full freedom. I'm like a dude now. And so, yeah, that's, that's why I originally did it. And I, I think that that's a really legitimate reason. And I wish that more women would do this. I know that costs are prohibitive. I know that. I mean, I'm in a very, very fortunate place to be able to do this. But if you if you are capable of doing this, um, it gives you the freedom to be like a man. <laughs> it takes away your biological clock in many ways. It's not foolproof and you have to get a lot of eggs. But we don't talk about fertility in a proactive way. We just assume that we're going to be able to have as many kids as we want in our thirties. And what I discovered is that almost all of my friends in their thirties are having fertility problems. 
So I wish that people were doing this younger. So I don't know a ton about this because I've never been involved with somebody who went through this. So is 20 eggs a lot? Yeah, that's a lot. So at 20 eggs, if they, so there's a calculator. I I wish I knew the URL. I can give it to you if you want to put it in your resources, but there's a calculator where you can put in your age uh, or the egg or the age where you freeze your eggs at and the number of eggs you get. And it'll tell me, tell you your likelihood of however many kids you want. So at 30, 20 eggs should give you about a 90% chance of one kid. Hmm. 20 eggs should give you like a 66% chance of two kids, I believe. Um, it, it depends on your it depends on your quantity and quality because as you get older, the quality of your eggs decreases, which is why it's so sad that this isn't something we talk about for young women. And it's it's usually thought of as a last resort for women in their late 30s. The problem with that is that they don't have very many eggs. If you're if you're getting your eggs frozen at 38, you probably don't have very many. And not only that, but the quality is probably poor. And the reason that matters is it might be hard to fertilize them and then implant them in the uterus. So at if you did this at 25, you could get more than 20 eggs, maybe, and they'd all be excellent quality. And so then when it comes time to do to fertilize, you have a lot of options and you've got a lot of working eggs. Well, you mentioned that you were, with all your moving and the things that you need to do for schooling, you're not going to be really done with everything until 36, and you're like, but I'm probably going to have kids before that. So ideally, when are you looking to implant these? So I, okay, so what happened was I went to Dr. Amy's office, and she did an ultrasound, and she looked at my right ovary and she saw six follicles, which I thought was quite low. Because, again, I was expecting to get 20 eggs, you need like more like 27 follicles. I mean, I'm just sort of making up numbers here. But the point is, is that a follicle is like a little egg house, like a little house where the egg lives and grows. Mm-hmm. And so the number of follicles you see is the number of potential eggs that are going to grow. And, you know, you have, then have this window, you take all these fertility meds that kind of plump up the follicle and make all the eggs grow really big and then you extract the ones that are mature enough on the date that you do that extraction and there are going to be some that just aren't mature enough so i was expecting like 13 follicles on each ovary so we look at the right ovary and only has six like that's not a good sign and then she looks at the left ovary and tells caroline to leave the room so I'm instantly kind of tearing up. And then she says, it looks like you have a severe endometrioma on your left ovary. So endometriosis is a condition where cells from the inside lining of your uterus grow outside the uterus. And it's often diagnosed because women who have it experience extreme pain, especially during menstruation and sex. I didn't have that. And so it was a big shock. Um, she said she was 98% sure it was endometriosis because that's just normally what it is, but it could have been ovarian cancer and it could be a benign mass. So I got a blood test called CA125, I think, and that is kind of roughly testing for the likelihood of ovarian cancer. And that basically, if you have a really, really elevated number, that kind of indicates ovarian cancer. And if you have a really low number, it doesn't. So I had a really low number. And the thing is that also it's an even rougher test 
for endometriosis because so if you have like kind of uh if you have like an elevated if you have severe endometriosis which is what i supposedly had then you should probably see if you're likely to see some elevation of that number and we didn't see that either so it could be a benign mass that'd be the best case scenario but it seems like it's still 50 50. Um, but the point is if it's endometriosis i can go in and, and remove it but it's very likely to come back and it could attack other organs I could attack my other ovary. And so from that perspective, the smartest thing to do would be to get pregnant as quickly as possible. Mm. Um, because then, because pregnancy wards off endometriosis and you're capturing that window of time when you don't have, you know, when your, your organs are actually functioning. But I'm also worried that I'm going to lose the ovary. If it's endometriosis, they just might not be able to, to get it off basically. So I might lose the ovary and that kind of leaves me with pretty low fertility. If it's a benign mass, which I'm hoping for, um, hopefully she can, they can, somebody can just remove it and then I'll regain function and then I'll be good to go. When are you supposed so to I'm find kind of, this out? Wait. Uh, I have an appointment with a gynecologist in like a week. And so I'm going to talk to, because Dr. Amy's not qualified to do like the surgery necessary to remove the mass. Um, so I'm doing that here. And so I'm going to get a consult with somebody else next week and then i don't i don't know honestly it's like fucking impossible to figure out who can help you i mean i i i found all of these doctors at duke who they're under some endometriosis heading and then i try calling and it takes me to a call center and then i'm like trying to explain what's going on to the call center person and they can't figure out the place to send me even though i'm like giving names it, it's just so it's so confusing and i think this is why women don't know how to take care of their fertility health or gynecological health because it's like no one talks to us about it and the problem is is that a lot of this shit isn't covered by insurance and so you know i was talking to a family care doctor the other day and i was talking to her about this and she's like well just so you know the reason why we don't advocate or or offer these tests to women is because their insurance doesn't cover it and so we don't want to run up huge costs for our patients when we don't even know that there's anything wrong and we know that their insurance won't cover it. And so it really is sticky. So it seems like it's just a real, I mean, it's got to be weighing on you almost every day, right? Like this is just something that you're constantly having to deal with and I'm sure it's not fun. I mean, is it, does it put you in moods of just like, Oh God, this is, this is all too much. Is it, are you up and down with your moods here? Uh, I've been okay. I mean, it certainly was in the first few weeks. I think what, I think the, the, the part that's the hardest is like, I mean, right, right now I'm in a place of uncertainty, which normally would be a really painful place to be, but I don't know why. Maybe I'm just good at compartmentalizing right now. Um, I don't know whether my fertility is fucked up or not. Like I don't, I don't, I could be fine. I don't know. Mm. I think the difficult part is like, well, making sure that my relationship is is ready for marriage and kids, like making sure that finances are ready, making, like, making the decision of do I really want to have a kid ASAP or do I want to kind of risk it and do things at the pace that I wanted to do them at? And, you know, neither option is horrible. I, I'm already 
feeling the pull to have kids and I'm getting bored with aspects of my life that used to thrill me. And so part of me wants that to be the answer. I think honestly, when I was happiest, when I was there was when Dr. Amy said, have a kid now, because it was a clear direction. Like, this is what you got to do. You don't even have to, you don't even have to question it. That was when, that was when she thought that it was for sure, not for sure, like 98% chance endometriosis. Um, but, you know, I, I think I maybe even read into her direction as like a little bit more a hundred, like decisive than she meant it to be. <laughs> so um, I think I was just like looking for, okay, this is what you do. This is the situation. Do it now. And right now it's like, I'm just waiting on the next step, but it does, it puts some pressure on the relationship. And well, you and you and Paul did go ring shopping last week. You, we did. You shared that. So everyone was wondering, did you guys have a quickie wedding or what happened here? You guys just decided to go. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we, um, so I had an appointment in Raleigh for <laughs> something stupid that didn't, doesn't seem to be working called cryo T shock. It's like a, I'm trying to get rid of the fat under my chin. Anyways, um, we had this appointment in Raleigh and we had a bunch of time to kill. And so we've been talking about going ring shopping forever and we just never did it. We didn't really know where to go or like what to do once we got there, but we're just like, what the hell? Let's look up, let's look up a jewelry store and just poke around. And so we found this place called Bailey's in Raleigh and walked in. Of course they're having a two day only sale. (laughs) Um, I'm sure, you know, these places have them all the time. They're like, no, this is our once a year sale. I wonder if they have, a once a year Other sale every month. Sales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That are just like different percentages, you know. Maybe we missed the twenty-five percent off sale. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I—I I mean, I knew what kind of ring I wanted, but we—we uh, we thought we were going to do moissanite, which is like a fake diamond. <laughs> but we wound up going with a diamond, and I don't know. I just—I'm not the kind of person who puts a lot of thought into my shopping decision so like if i want something i'll just kind of get it i don't really price compare that much paul's better at that so we go and they just they find like a great diamond in kind of our price range a little bit out of our price range oh one second sorry i was getting a spam call and they're like, okay, well, our sale's still running tomorrow. Like, why don't you come back and see the see this diamond that we think would be perfect for you? And so we did, and we got it. <laughs> but it was like a very spontaneous, like, <laughs> not particularly well. And we're not engaged. I mean, he we we effectively are, obviously, but you know, I don't have the ring. It's being made, and then he still has to propose. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. Um... <laughs> I just like I most people do with the surprise route, but I don't I didn't really want to be surprised by I knew like a I knew that he he's wanted to marry me since like the first month of our relationship. So it wasn't wow. like it was ever gonna be a surprise that he wanted me to marry him. And so having the ring be a surprise really just meant that I was probably gonna get a ring that I didn't like as much as I could. So I wanted to be in control of that. Huh. Well, and now the, the surprise element is uh, that he has to do an epic proposal. So we'll see what he comes up with. <laughs> well, the, the last thing I wanted to 
address was something you had said in your answer, which was, you know, you you have a lot of schooling left to do and a lot of things and move to state and move to different states and stuff like that. And you didn't yeah. think it'd be done till 36. So does that get set back? If you throw a kid in there and by age, I don't know, 31, 32, does 36 yeah. get set back to 38 or are you able to pull both off? It might. Um, I'm pro- I'd probably take a semester off yeah. for essentially unpaid maternity leave. But then I would want to continue. I, I'm trying to front load my coursework right now. So I'm doing, I'm going to get my TAs out of the way. Uh, I'm going to get like some of the major kind of milestones done. That leaves me with dissertation, which I will probably have to be doing with a baby on my lap, hmm. which isn't the best. But, you know, the other hand is like, there's no good time to have a kid. I mean, it's it's hard for any working woman. This isn't, in many ways, I'm, I'm, more fortunate than others because the PhD is at least flexible on timing. I mean, I'm on a podcast with you at, you know, now 2 PM on a Tuesday. So, uh, all of that's great. Paul's job is very flexible, so he's going to get to be a very active father. Um, but yeah, I mean, it certainly takes, it certainly takes sacrifices. Like I'm probably going to have to look for internships in Durham and it might be a postdoc in Durham or if we move somewhere else, like if he gets a job somewhere else. So I might not be able to go for the best. And, and I think this is what women need to realize is we spend all this time talking about the wage gap and focusing on policies around this. But there's just a very basic reality, which is that a, a a woman has to have like, like Paul's almost 40. So Paul is going to get very close to tenure and he's already, he's already surpassed the, you know, number of pubs he needs and everything to get tenure. He can wait until then to have a kid. And then his, he has total job security. He's got a great salary. Um, and he's got more free time versus I don't have an option. I have to do this in my thirties. And that comes right smack dab in the middle of my PhD. And it means that, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to be able to go for the best postdoc. A postdoc is kind of like, if you know, like a residency is for doctors, a postdoc is kind of like that for academics. Mm. Um, and that sucks. And that, that is a sacrifice that yeah. I have to make. And I don't know what really, what way there is around that. And I just think that's something that women face. And when it comes to academia, like what gets people published is, or sorry, what gets people promoted or hired is the amount that they publish. And if a man can spend that, that entire decade just publishing and publishing and publishing, and a woman has to spend that decade taking care of kids and taking maternity leave, then of course, she, of course, the woman isn't going to be competitive with men, and of course, she's not going to get the same promotions or the same like salary is determined by how many publications you come in with, right? Because you're given a salary based off of how valuable you are and how much of a catch you are. And again, like Paul didn't have a kid in his 30s and every woman that he's competing with might have. Hmm. And so if you freeze your eggs, <laughs> that gives you more time. Yeah, I mean, it's a hell. I mean, it's a lot to take on. It's a hell of a story. I really I mean, I saw it on your Instagram stories for people that didn't see it. I'm glad they got to revisit it. And I'm glad that you were able to tell that story. And obviously it's a lot on your plate and you're going through a lot, but I, you know, appreciate you sharing this with us and sharing your other thoughts. Um, I, I wish you guys the best of luck in, in all of this. 
Um, obviously, you you know, I, I, it sounds like you want them sooner rather than later now. And obviously, we're your fans, the people that watched you on the show and they're fans of you. Do you still get stuff from people about your show appearance or no? Get what, what stuff? I don't know. People still talking to you about the show or commenting to you about the show, or is it more about commenting on what you're posting now? More so commenting about what I'm posting now, but yeah, I still get some. Okay. I don't get, you know what I don't get anymore is negative comments, which is really nice. Well, because there's, but I mean, I, I guess there shouldn't be because there's nothing negative to put out there about you right now. You, like you haven't done anything you're not in the people's eye right now. I mean, look, if Reality Steve came out with a negative story about Jacqueline Trumbull, you would you would get negative feedback. But I, I mean, I don't have anything. Um, yeah, but I mean, just like just people commenting on my appearance or how you know how douchey I am or oh. something like that. Yeah, I don't get that anymore. It's nice. Well, that's, well, that's good. Um, Obviously, no one cares. Yeah, there's nothing bad to say about my personal life. I'm squeaky clean at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, just I, I know when you went to Arizona with a few of the Bachelor girls a couple of weeks ago, what was that? Two California. Week? Oh, California. Was it two yeah. weeks ago you went? Mm, three? God, I don't mean three. I don't know. It was with yeah. Caroline, Kendall, and Becca and Natasha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that was when I started seeing your stories about all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. And obviously you and I talked privately about some of the things. So, again, I wish you all the best of luck, you and Paul, uh, and going Thank forward you. with all this. Uh, again, also, um, thank you for the help that you've given me. Um, the advice you've given me behind the scenes as well has been a huge help. You know, I love talking to you about stuff, whether it's website related or women related, you know, (laughs) we've got that. Um, if you want to listen, uh, to Jacqueline's podcast, it's called a little help for our friends. And your co-host is Kibby. I forget her last name. What's Kibby's last name? Doctor Kibby McMahon. She just got her. She's got her doctorate. Ah, and yeah, you guys are currently on a break. You did thirty-seven or thirty-eight episodes for season one, all different topics. You can go check it out on any place you can listen to podcasts. A little help for our friends. And then, when will season two be starting? We are about to start recording again. Uh, we're going to do a big publishing push and media push. So. Um, it's sort of TBD, but honestly, it, oh, okay. it, they're they're not too tied to like the present time. So listening to past episodes is is it's going to be just as valuable as like listening week by week. Um, and I'll just say briefly that the the podcast is a mental health podcast. Could be uh, my co-host just graduated from her PhD at Duke. I'm getting my PhD at Duke and in clinical psychology. And so it's a mental health podcast and we like to think about mental health as a a systems problem. It's not just the individual. And so you listening out there might have a friend or a loved one suffering from depression or OCD or borderline personality disorder. And this podcast is really for you to know what they're going through, but also to know how to help them and help them find treatment and also set your own boundaries because I know that mental health can take an immense toll on the friends and family. So that is a little help for our friends. We also talk about egg freezing in a couple of different episodes. And I do just want to say for any of you worried about your own fertility uh, or for those of you who want to start worrying about your fertility, uh, a modern, modern fertility is an awesome way to start just to get just to get knowledge about your hormones and what kind of egg count you might be working with. And then if you want to take it a step further, 
um, I would start asking your gynecologist about further tests you can do, like an ultrasound. In addition, um, there there were a couple in season one that were show related in the fact that you guys had Zach Clark on, Tasha's uh, mm-hmm. fiance, to talk about his uh, drug addiction in his past. And you guys had Ben Higgins on recently to talk about his, I believe it was mm-hmm. some sort of mental breakdown that he had recently. Correct? Yeah, he's just kind of talking about loneliness and what it was like for him to be in the public eye and some kind of more social anxiety type gotcha uh, type things but yeah so those are on there and uh, yeah it's a little help for our friends uh you can find it on any of the podcast apps out there so Jacqueline an hour and a half didn't think it was gonna go this long (laughs) yeah this was uh (laughs) it was like and it's basically broken out I looked at the time on this Uh, it's basically like 20 minutes on gaslighting 40 minutes on my reporting and the last half hour uh roughly about your uh, your egg freezing. So it's a good mm-hmm. breakdown of people yeah. that want to uh, sit there <laughs> and, and, and listen to the breakdowns about everything. So thank you again, uh, Jacqueline. Good luck with everything. And we will uh, certainly be in touch. Hey, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Vegas this weekend. So uh, be, be on standby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, enjoy. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> I was gonna say enjoy. enjoy my life. I was gonna say yeah, enjoy your life. I was gonna say enjoy Vegas. I'm like, wait, you're not going. Wait, what am I talking about? Um, you enjoy Vegas, Steve. Yes, I. <laughs> yes. Will, I will do my best. Um, all right, so we'll be in touch. Take care. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Jacqueline for that. That is a, uh, a, 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 a. I really enjoyed that podcast because there's so many things that were talked about that maybe haven't been talked about publicly. I really kind of shared some things that I really haven't shared much publicly about in terms of my reporting and what I've had to deal with. Um, the stuff that has been sent to me over the last, you know, probably six to nine months. It's been interesting to say the least. So I appreciate Jacqueline for that. She's always someone that I lean on behind the scenes, uh, and bounce stuff off of when I've got situations arising when it comes to stories in this franchise. And she's, you know, really helped me reconsider some of the things that I report. Uh, so, Thank you to her. I hope you really all enjoyed her egg freezing story. That stuff, like I said, I don't, I'm not too obviously well versed in it at all, but so I wanted to let her speak on it and tell her side of it and uh, really good stuff's there. So hope you enjoyed that. Thank you all uh, for listening. Again, thank you, Jacqueline, uh, for coming on. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Much appreciated. And uh, again, wish me luck. Two things. One, Wish me luck at the tables this weekend. Two, wish me luck that I will be the first customer at the Olive Garden this upcoming Monday. The Olive Garden that's opening up on the Vegas Strip. I want to be the first customer so bad, and I might even document it on social media. So pay attention Monday around 11 Pacific time. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will be back next week. So for Jacqueline Trumbull, I'm Reality Steve. We'll talk to you next week. See ya!